Hey everybody, welcome to Volts. I'm your host, David Roberts. President Joe Biden has released the tax plan that is meant to pay for his two-plus trillion dollar infrastructure plan. You can read the New York Times for a full breakdown of the plan. The bulk of the revenue will come from a set of changes to corporate tax law, raising the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28 percent, imposing a minimum tax on global profits, and discouraging offshore tax havens. All that stuff is great. I just want to say a few quick things about one of the provisions which would roll back various fossil fuel subsidies in the tax code. In one sense, this is cool and a big deal insofar as Democrats can actually do it. They've been trying for years to no end. But in another sense, it reveals that the hue and cry over fossil fuel subsidies in the U.S. is somewhat of a tempest in a teapot more a political symbol than a real source of revenue or decarbonization. Headline 1. Direct U.S. fossil fuel subsidies aren't that big in the grand scheme of things. The administration projects that closing oil and gas tax loopholes will raise $35 billion over the coming decade. That's 1.4% of Biden's $2.5 trillion in tax plan revenue. A Treasury Department report from the administration says, quote, the main impact would be on oil and gas company profits. Research suggests a little impact on gasoline or energy prices for U.S. consumers and a little impact on our energy security, unquote. There are two reasons the changes would have little impact on gasoline or energy prices. The first is that oil is a globally traded commodity, with prices set globally. A U.S. company can't raise its prices without losing out on the global market, so it eats any extra cost as slightly lower profits. But the second is that $35 billion over 10 years just isn't that much money. Even in 2020, a truly shitty year for the U.S. oil companies, Exxon made revenues of $181 billion. That was down 31.5% from $265 billion in 2019. For companies with revenues in the hundreds of billions, experiencing market swings of $85 billion a year, an extra $3.5 billion a year spread out over the whole sector just isn't going to register much. Last year, Representative Ilan Omar and Senator Bernie Sanders introduced the End Polluter Welfare Act, which takes a much more expansive view of what counts as a fossil fuel subsidy and pulls together $15 billion a year in tax changes. That would be $150 billion over the next 10 years, 6% of the revenue Biden's plan will raise. An even more aggressive study from Oil Change International found $20 billion a year in subsidies, though the oil and gas industry hotly contests some of the choices it made. The point is, to get to real revenue, you have to bring in indirect fossil fuel subsidies. Headline 2. The big fossil fuel subsidies are the externalities. 
When Greenpeace says that U.S. fossil fuel companies get $62 billion a year in subsidies, it refers to this study, which examines what it would take to, quote, correct market failures brought about by climate change, adverse health impacts from local pollution, and inefficient transportation, unquote. In other words, the study tallies up oil and gas's externalities, the costs it imposes on society that are not reflected in market prices, and it doesn't even include the costs of defending global oil supply, which are substantial. Whether it is fair or accurate to call these unpaid costs subsidies is largely a matter of semantics, or worse, metaphysics. But it doesn't really matter. Fossil fuel companies don't pay the costs, other people do. A 2017 International Monetary Fund study pegged the global value of direct and indirect fossil fuel subsidies at $5.2 trillion. That's 6.4% of global GDP. Of course, making fossil fuel companies pay those costs would involve more than modest tax code tweaks. It would involve a new carbon tax. How much could that raise? A 2017 study by the Treasury Department modeled a carbon tax that starts at $49 per metric ton in 2019 and rises to $70 per metric ton in 2028, not far out of line with some popular carbon tax proposals. Over the course of that 10 years, the tax would raise $2.2 trillion in revenue just about enough to fund Biden's infrastructure plan. It's a perfect match. It's notable, then, that no one on either side of the aisle has proposed it, despite an ongoing hunt for revenue. Carbon tax people are always saying it has bipartisan appeal, but in practice it seems bipartisan in that both parties want nothing to do with it. Anyway, Biden's run at fossil fuel subsidies, the latest in a long line from Democrats, isn't really about revenue. Headline 3. This story is mostly about political power and social license. In every story you read about the portion of Biden's plan that goes after fossil fuel subsidies, you will see some version of this. Quote, Previous attempts to eliminate subsidies on oil and gas met with stiff industry and congressional opposition, unquote. Despite the fact that $35 billion over 10 years is a relative chump change to the oil and gas industry, it fights any attempt to roll back these subsidies like a cornered polecat. It wants to protect its profits, but it also wants to establish that it still has clout in Congress. It has enjoyed these tax benefits for a long, long time, and giving them up would be a signal of its declining influence. It's good for Democratic presidents to keep thrusting this issue into the debate, if only to put Congress on record. It will probably fall out of this bill, too, if the bill passes at all, but it will serve as something of a barometer on the pressure fossil fuel companies can mount, even in their battered state. In the meantime, on this question, as on all others, we await the judgment of our emperor and benefactor, Joe Manchin. Long may he reign. Thanks for listening, y'all. See you next time. <laughs>